and welcome to the Speak Up with Laura Camacho podcast number three in the world for communication skills and welcome. I'm glad you're here. This is where we have conversations with the most interesting people and we learn how to take that next step in our careers, how to move forward. Each one of us has our own heroic journey. We may be juggling kids at home or aging parents and a career and or a business. There's a lot going on. And even though it's been three years since COVID hit, that definitely left marks on all of us, that trauma. And this podcast is giving you these little inside tips that nobody tells you except here. This is where you get the help you need or the tips that you can use to have more influence and more visibility. This episode is brought to you by the book called The Practical Guide to Effective Communication. Get recognized for the value you already contribute. This is coming out in November, I believe, or maybe October makes a great Christmas gift for a high school senior, college student, new career, young career person, or somebody that just struggles with communication because it just goes inside your brain because I write it like I'm talking to your brain and help you change the way you see these situations so that you're able to see each conversation as an opportunity to connect with someone and to leave a lasting impact. So again, the practical guide to effective communication, get recognized for the value you already contribute. So today I have, as usual, a very special guest. I'm getting much more demanding about who gets to talk to you. As I've told you before, sometimes I feel more like a bouncer and lately I've had to turn away so many people. Their bios didn't excite me. I'm sure they're very good people and they have interesting things to share, but I didn't find them that interesting. So I, unfortunately for them, did not allow them to come on this show. Hopefully I won't get punished for that. That was hopefully not being good. It was in service to my audience. Sometimes you just have to say no. And I've had to do it a lot recently. Also recently, like this past weekend, I was in Gainesville, Georgia, at the Chattahoochee Country Club celebrating my dad's 90th birthday. So that was a big social occasion. It was a lot of fun. There was my cousins and a niece and a nephew, one of my kids, his two daughters, and about a hundred guests from the town where I went to high school, Gainesville High School. And, and there were a couple of people from my high school that I had not seen since then, which was way back last century. And one guy looked so old, I was just shocked. I, I was like, we're the same age. And he was probably thinking the same thing. <laughs> but anyway, I did get that shock kind of froze my brain for a second, which brings me to our guest today. It's somebody all the way from Beverly Hills, California. Yes, and it's the Beverly Hills Manners Coach. Not that you have bad manners, but Lisa Gachet is like a queen of helping people act and feel comfortable in every single social situation. She wants to help us master the art of putting other people at ease to move through the world with confidence and grace. And we're going to learn about this quality. I don't even know exactly what it is. It's called social intelligence. 
and she has a thesis that if social intelligence will help you move your career forward. So we're going to learn all about social intelligence from Beverly Hills. And I'll just, right before I bring on Lisa, my experience with Beverly Hills is the Beverly Hillbillies. (laughs) Sometimes I now identify as granny. When I was young, I liked Ellie Mae. She's the pretty little country bumpkin. But now I identify as granny, just ranting and raving all the time. If you can find that show on Netflix or some streaming service, it's extremely safe. Not even PG. It's G-rated. It's a lot of fun. And it's written for both adult and children. Lisa Gachet is not like Mia Beverly Hillbilly. She is the manners queen, the etiquette expert. So join me to welcome her to our show. So Lisa, I'm so excited to have you here. It feels almost like a celebrity coming in from Beverly Hills all the way from Charleston, South Carolina, where I am. We're at opposite ends of the country. I'm going to learn about what social intelligence is. I can't wait. But your company is called Beverly Hills Manors. Great name for a firm, a boutique, I'm guessing. Tell us about how you got to start that company and how it's going. Yes, thank you. Well, first of all, I'm so happy to be here with you today. So I'm just excited to speak and talk to your listeners. So thank you for reaching out and inviting me. And so my evolution, I guess, well, first of all, the name Beverly Hills Manners, I felt was apropos because I'm from New York originally, Mm -hmm. but I did grow up in Beverly Hills. I went to Beverly Hills High School where uh, 90210, the show was created after. So I had had an etiquette business, but I'll get to that in a moment. And one of my friends said, you really should call it Beverly Hills Manners because she felt like the city had so much cachet around the world, right? So it definitely has stuck and still has that nice ring. So I'm definitely proud to kind of have this banner. But I'll tell you, like many people, perhaps in Los Angeles, let's say, you know, we all, a lot of us started in the entertainment business and that was my story as well. And what happened was in doing entertainment, the company I worked for got bought out and then I would have had to commute. So I decided to become an entrepreneur. I decided to try and hang my own shingle. And I actually started doing concierge work and concierge because I was the go-to gal at the office, how to do this, where to get that, et cetera. So I did that for a while. And that was in the early 2000s when concierge was independent concierge was a thing. Wound up doing a lot of travel, a lot of birthday, big celebrations, et cetera. Then I got pregnant and I actually turned my business into baby concierge because I was looking for resources (laughs) for myself, right? And in doing research for my clients and myself, I came across a class at the Hotel Bel Air called Petite Protocol. And I called the Bel Air, spoke with the PR firm that represented the hotel about this class. And I told her what I did. And she said to me, actually the gal there, that I really should consider getting out of the concierge business and into the etiquette business, which she felt was an area that had not been saturated in this neck of the woods. So that was a children's program at the time. And she connected me to the instructor who is my mentor to this day. She's one of the etiquette mavens. 
And the rest is history, as they say. I kind of took off from there. I love that. Thank you so much. I wanted to just add, though, that over the years, I was trained by my mentor, but people had asked me, what gives you sort of the credential to espouse on this subject? And so I did in 2009 attend the Protocol School of Washington in D.C., which is the only accredited school in this country recognized by the Department of Education. Big mouthful. And then I went and attended the English Manor in the UK to make sure that they didn't know anything that I hadn't already learned. And I'm also going to be going to the IVF, which is the Institute Villa Pierre Feu in Switzerland, which is the last finishing school to further my education this April. Oh, that sounds very cool. And I I like to do the same. I went to a class, the last really big class I went to was in London, and it was about teams and trust and conflict. And I went out of there feeling, you know, yeah, okay, I'm fine. I'm good. This guy was good, but there's nothing really that I didn't know. So it's always good when you've been in the business a while to refresh your knowledge. I think that's so interesting. And I think here in Charleston, where I am, Surprisingly, there are, I know from my church, two or three or maybe four former actors who moved here from Los Angeles. And I think it does prepare you for running a business because I understand I never did this, but the auditioning process is so brutal that you really become a little tough, which is what you definitely need if you're going to run your own business. Would you agree that that's helpful? Yes, it's funny. I love that you thought that that's the direction I was going in. Back in the day, I was a singer Uh in college, but I was actually working more behind the scenes in the entertainment industry. I somehow fell into business affairs, but my husband is an attorney. And I have to tell you that actually trained me for what I do because I learned that you never put anything in writing, that you don't want to come back to haunt you, right? Because I was in legal. And also just to be mindful of your words and the power of words, right? And also the power of putting things in writing when you do want to have a paper trail and have those receipts, those virtual receipts, right? Right. That's a good communication point, everybody, that sometimes when I'm helping someone with a presentation, for example, I'll say, this part you can say, don't put it writing. And this part you can put in writing. So exactly. That's very cool. So we want to talk about manners. So is it true? Is it a fact? Or is it just my perception that people are more rude, less aware? I just have that perception. I just spent the weekend at a hotel, a nice hotel. And the service wasn't bad, but it wasn't like it used to be. What say ye? I think it's a great question. I do believe that the question you're asking is something on the front of everybody's mind. I think universally people would say that we are more rude. Yes, there are like uh, my book I dedicated to my husband. He's one of those in the 1% that it, well, to my girls too, but my husband was born with that chip of natural kindness. I'm from New York. And so I had to learn these skills These are muscles that I constantly need to massage, right? But we are living in difficult times. There's so much to be worried about, so much to be stressed and anxious over. And between just the things that are happening in the world today and couple that with, you know, so whether we're talking about terrorism, whether we're talking about politics, whether we're talking about 
the workplace and all the changes going on there. People with mental health issues were anxious across the board. And then you have on top of that still the deficits of coming out of COVID, right? Mm -hmm. And technology taking over everything. So the preferred mode of communication is really not what we're doing even face-to-face, right? Mm -hmm. It's using a technological tool. So all of that, I think, has made us operate with a really short fuse. I talk about how when we kind of are walking through a space, it's almost like we have these nerves, these tiny little nerves attached to our clothing and our being. And if somebody just accidentally kind of rubs up against it, woo, a whole firestorm can occur. And that's why I teach people so much about giving others the benefit of the doubt and putting yourself in someone else's shoes and having that empathy chip. Right. Because we have to understand that everybody is operating on a DEFCON 5 and we all need to take it down a notch, right? DEFCON 5. Yeah, that's right. Am I wrong? No, you're right. So it's really the stress coming off of COVID, too much isolation for too long and the technology. I think those are all factors we can all relate to and see in front of us that it is making people more volatile or easily offended or blow up. And I think Also, the social media where people get so hysterical and write these inflammatory things that you would have never normally said that before. So people have just lost that filter. But how do you reconcile as a New Yorker, like the desire to be authentic with a filter or saying things or being more gentle? Like, how do you put those two qualities together? And thank you for asking this question because I've been dying to talk about, I had a neighbor, she passed away, love you buff, but she had a friend over and the friend, we had a conversation about authenticity and she said she had read something about an article that talked about genuineness versus authenticity. And I actually now totally preach that because I feel there is a difference. And I think when we talk about genuineness, we are really more focused on the other and how we interact with others and how we make them feel versus authenticity sometimes can be perceived as, I'm going to be my authentic self and you can take it or leave it, right? And I said it in a nice way. So I like to use the word genuine because there's a warmth there. And when you have that warmth there, that immediately takes you down a notch to try and be more sensitive to another person's in how you maybe filter the words that come out of your mouth. I used to work in the music industry, by the way. Okay. That's how I started out before the film industry in business and legal affairs. But one of our artists was Ice Cube. Mm -hmm. One of his most famous songs is Check Yourself Before You Wreck Yourself. (laughs) And I often quote it because it is so apropos. And in any situation, it can be the most benign conversation that you have with someone. But we can't control how another person is going to perceive what we say, right? We can only control ourselves. So if we have a chance to kind of do a little internal filter, that'll at least help the outcome, right? Right. Which helps you. (laughs) Which helps you. It's a win-win for both. But it does take two. So it does take the other person also to have equal 
kind of willingness and graciousness and sensitivity. I love that. So check yourself before you wreck yourself. Exactly. Clean up your side of the street first before you start pointing fingers at other people. Yes, I think that's excellent. Well, and I'm a pragmatist. So let's be ourselves, but also help other people do what we want them to do, right? And I like that genuineness communicates more warmth. I also think mm-hmm. in the South where I am, like that yes. graciousness, that Southern yes. hospitality. Yes. We're known for saying, bless bless your heart. That's the stand-in for something yeah, when, when you're unhappy with their behavior. But Oh, right. But that's okay. That's okay. You can just say, bless her heart. She doesn't Absolutely. know any better. You know? But to me, there's almost a humor to it too. It's a lightness. And I have to say, I am so all about talking about what I share with humor. I'm quoting Seinfeld episodes always. I was so excited to learn that that might even have a comeback this morning. I, It's because there's humor and we have to remember how important it is to not lose our sense of humor. Not everything has to be in the front. And nobody listens. I teach humor too. I had to teach myself because I was a college instructor, professor, and that's like, you're not known for being very interesting. So you're right about the light touch and the humor is a service to humanity. Help people receive your message. Wow, that's so good. Absolutely. So you have this saying or this motto of tune in, move up achieve more. So the people you are talking to, besides being extremely good looking, are extremely (laughs) smart, technical, a lot of people from technology, finance, insurance, banking, uh, some business owners too, but they're not, I don't, as far as I know, nobody in the hospitality industry is there, but if you are welcome. So (laughs) tell us, what does that mean? Tune in, move up, achieve more. Yes. So I did very specifically want to call out these three areas because I was going to write a book and who knows if this will still be down the line. I am definitely going to work on another book. I'm toying with the title, but originally I was thinking of something called Out to Lunch because there are so many people who have a lack of mindfulness and awareness around this subject. So in the same way that meditation became kind of ubiquitous, right? Mm -hmm. So I want this content to be as embraced as that. And I want people to know that just as you would for meditation, mindful meditation, you have to have mindful manners or mindful, whatever you want to call it, social skills, soft skills, which is really people skills. And that's all in the same vein. So the tuning in piece is just literally raising your little radars, raising your social radar right? So that helps to improve communication and enhance connection. So that's number one. Then once you have that down, you have to move up. And the way you move up is by literally now starting to apply your social acumen. So the acumen is the putting into practice. And these are the pieces, once you put things into practice that help you, because I get a lot of people who contact me who want to elevate their station. Yes. Everybody listening is like, yeah, okay, guys, take notes. (laughs) And they also want you just like me for why I got into this business. And I didn't share that, but I got into this work because I was looking for skills as a woman. For myself, I grew up with a mom. Again, mom is not with us. Love you. But did not have a comfortable day in her own skin. 
And I have two girls of my own, 21, almost 22 and almost 20. And I wanted to give them skills to help them feel more confident and comfortable in their own skin. So the moving up piece helps you with that, right? Because you're putting into practice, you're learning the skills, both personally and professionally to reach those goals. And then the achieving more, once you put into practice, you've done the work because nothing that is worth anything happens without putting in the hard work, right? Otherwise it doesn't last. So the achieving more is the, okay, what are now those little bits and pieces? Because really matters are the glue that hold everything together. And this is the part that will ensure the long lasting success. And here's the big key, regardless of setbacks. Sometimes we have setbacks and we know a lot of thought leaders talk about grit. They talk about perseverance, resilience. I'm really big on all of that because you have to have accountability. You have to have responsibility. You have to have respect. All these pieces help to work with that framework of achieving more and staying there, staying curious, learning, et cetera, and just keep picking yourself off the floor and keep going forward. I love that. I love that. I love the manners are the glue that hold everything together. That's definitely a quotable. And my take on your what you're saying, tune in, move up, achieve more, that by really paying more attention to your environment and the people other than yourself, yes, you're going to observe more and notice more. And that's going to allow you to connect better and to get to whatever your goals are. Because we all know that everybody listening, like this is not for neophytes. People listening are already extremely successful. And the more successful you are, the steeper it is to up-level even more. And it's all about those little details. So that I'm guessing is what comprises social intelligence. I want you to, I'm like, what is social intelligence? Yes. And I do want to say that I share this with professionals mostly. I'm really working and leaning in hard to businesses and corporations. And then, of course, I also work with smaller groups and individuals, et cetera. But there's such an opening for, and I'll speak about social intelligence because, first of all, I did not coin that term. We've all heard of emotional intelligence, right? Yes. So EQ has been around for years and again, become ubiquitous. Everybody's talking about the importance of EQ. Well, my feeling is that it's really time now to start working on the SQ. So your social quotient is your social intelligence. And what I mean by that is that there are so many benefits to having social intelligence And people don't realize it. There are maybe the things that may seem, oh, that's obvious, right? So for example, the word social intelligence has the word social in it. So we know that it speaks to our interactions, our connections, our relationships. So the most obvious is that if you are somebody who has social intelligence, it just means you possess that je ne sais quoi, which is that thing you can't quite put your finger on but it is the single most thing that endears you to another person. And again, I'm using the word endear because it connotes an emotion of feeling, of warmth. That word is not overused. It's only used with the highest of compliments. So that's number one. But we're so je ne sais quoi, but it's your people skills. And those are the skills that allow you to connect 
at the highest level of engagement, right? So we are social animals and we have to connect until we're all taking residence up on the on Mars. I think there was a TV show that I saw one episode of where they were selling real estate on the Mars or the moon. <laughs> but right now we're down here and this affects everything. People come to me because they want to make more friends or they want to meet a romantic partner or they want to just have more uh, meaningful relationships at work. So all of this affects that. So that's number one. Social intelligence also helps you with increased self-esteem. And that's because when we are liked by other people, when you have friends who are wanting to be around you, they're inviting you places, that helps your self-esteem, does it not? Of course. When we're socially isolated, when we feel like nobody cares about me, that's when everything starts to go downhill. So social intelligence definitely helps us. And why does it do that? Because we stop shooting ourselves in the foot. Uh, we learn good. how to maximize our relationships. And I'm going to talk about that in a second. But it also helps improve our social status. And when I say that, this means that we are seen, when we're a people person, we are automatically seen as somebody who's well-respected and even influential. Okay, so these are the pieces now that I'm getting into that you don't necessarily associate with, oh, social and thinking right. it's about relationships. But there are these wonderful dividends. You had asked this question, and I love that word because it's not overused, but it really has such a great imagery to it. And here's the other one that people don't think about when it comes to social intelligence is it provides access to resources and when I say resources, I'm talking about wealth included. So we're talking about social currency as well as currency currency, actual, <laughs> actual currency, right? Because when you're deemed somebody who has the people skills intact, you are respected, you're influential, people vouch for you, which is really important, right? Now, all of a sudden, you're provided with resources. People are giving you opportunities. They are offering things that you wouldn't otherwise have available to you if people perceive you to be toxic. Right. Or even boring or awkward. We're awkward. Thank you for filling in those blanks. That is exactly correct. So I have a lot of introverts who come to me. Yeah. And they're listening to you right now. We all are. <laughs> and here's the thing. These are skills that we can learn easily once we learn the language. This is a form of language. I often feel like I'm brainwashing people, but in a good way, because I have an adult immersion class and we spend seven hours together straight and I'm brainwashed by the stuff I'm saying. <laughs> so right. it's just, we need a retooling, a reframing. And the lane that I'm in with, call it etiquette, call it manners. I just want to tell you, actually, there's a difference. Oh, please do. Oh, I'm all ears. Okay, so etiquette are the guidelines. Those are the rules that help us to know how to behave in any type of situation. Manners are the spontaneous gestures we make when we're thinking about another person. So manners would be when we're sitting on a park bench, somebody comes walking over an elderly person, and there's no place to sit. What do we do? when we're using our manners. We yeah. offer our seat, right? right? Because they're elderly, they're bones, they need to sit down, they're brittle. So that's manners. It was spontaneous. 
It was a gesture. We didn't know that person was walking over, right? But we're using our noggin. We're open and looking around in our world. How can we be of service, help, right? So guidelines when it comes to etiquette are the no elbows on the table, right? Or you can say any number of rules of behavior, whether they're rules for using technology, rules for you know being on a Zoom call, the dining table rules, those are all etiquette to make it more beautiful for the experience for everyone, right? But the gestures, you can even say holding a door open. We walk through doors all day long. If we stop and wait for somebody to come in from behind, that's thinking about another person because we literally see them there. Why would we not hold the door open? You come from the South. I mean, I would imagine everybody does that, right? Or get a dirty look if they don't. (laughs) Oh, you know what? I forgot to say one thing, though. I did want to mention about social intelligence. This is also the piece that really is not on people's radars. And I think it's hugely important. And I did mention it earlier in some other part of our conversation. And that is when we are socially intelligent, we actually avoid negative consequences. Ooh, that sounds glorious. Yes. And we know this happens everywhere. You can't turn on the news without seeing someone who has fallen from grace. Right. And so when we know this, we're able to avoid things like rejection, okay, social exclusion, somebody stops inviting you to parties, somebody rejects you, and we start kind of avoiding all that conflict. And these things happen all day long, professionally and personally. So you could be rejected by a romantic partner and it's because something you did or said that you were totally unaware of, right? Right. You can be socially excluded. Maybe it's a professional network and you went and said something and it got around the group. And then all of a sudden you're not invited to that next huge tech event that you wanted to be invited to. And then there's conflict. It can be benign. Remember, you can be invited to someone's party and it's a group invitation and you just knock off some kind of insensitive, quick, curt response. And then all of a sudden kind of leaves people with a bad taste. Right. And you did that because you were in a hurry and you were just, you know, trying to get it done. I'm talking to you listeners. Lisa has just dropped so much value on us. I hope you are taking notes if you're not driving. I want to recap some of the dividends that it pays when you have social intelligence that people like you and likability is a leadership skill. Huge, huge. Yes, it allows you to avoid those negative consequences. And I know in my coaching and teaching conversations, a lot of times people come to me, Laura, I was talking to Lisa and she all of a sudden started acting cold to me and I don't know what happened and what did I do? And so you can avoid that. You're going to have more opportunities because guys, you know that the best opportunities are not the ones that are published. They're not the ones that people know about. And I've I've helped so many people get promoted up the food chain of any company. And when they get up to a certain point, they learn, oh, there's this gathering that I didn't know existed. There's mm-hmm. this, it's almost like a club that nobody knows exists until you are invited. So you're maximizing your relationships, your social status, access to these kinds of opportunities, resources, including cha-ching, cha-ching. I think it's very enticing and, it, and it's free. You know, it's like communication. You can come from the wrong side of the tracks 
a different country, the wrong side of the tracks of a different country, because a lot of people I work with, English is a second language. You don't need to have been born in this country to have impeccable manners and etiquette, know the rules and know how to (laughs) say things. So what do you say to this scenario when a manager or some kind of leader is put in a social situation with people above him or her in the hierarchy and they're feeling intimidated? Yes. What should we do? Yeah. So I love this question and I have one of the modules that I teach that talks about mixing and mingling, right? Because we're constantly, that's a skill, making small talk, mixing and mingling, and we go to, whether it's personal, professional, parties, networking events, et cetera, it's all about your people skills. We have to be able to make conversation. So the biggest thing is that we have to be equal parts interested and interesting. So number one, if you're now all of a sudden hanging out with the higher ups or people that you want to curry favor or get to know you, just start asking them questions. Start getting interested in them. My husband is great. He always launches right into personal, a couple of personal questions. Not too familiar. They're friendly, but he likes to kind of let them know that he's not just there for the business. So you can kind of work in a nice question that is kind of introducing those pleasantries in the conversation. So definitely asking questions, taking an interest in others. Give us an example. I know they're like, Laura, she needs to give us an example. Okay, okay. Well, first of all, one of the things you can ask is you can ask somebody if they're originally from wherever you are. So that's an easiest, easy question because you might detect an accent or you might detect not everybody, especially in LA, it's such a melting pot, right? right? So that's a great question to kind of ask, or how long have you lived here? If you don't want to ask where someone's from, because that then hopefully leads into other conversation pieces that you can pick up from their answer. But definitely launching with a question, or I also say you can offer a compliment. That's a great way to engage somebody in conversation. But if you're talking to somebody that's higher up, you may not want to go with the compliment at first. It may seem like they're trying to really curry favor from them. I love seasonal topics. Okay. So it could be something, you know, we are in the fall season. You could ask them if we were closer to Thanksgiving, what are your plans? Do you have any plans coming up for this holiday season, et cetera? Those are kind of some benign, I think, questions that can be asked. And it really is situational and it has to come across natural. I always say to people, prepare yourself before you go to any event by learning a little bit about what's happening in the world, right? Because you never know if you'll be met with somebody who's really into sports. You should know what season it is in sports. Even if you're not a sports person, you have to know that it's football season. (laughs) And what's going on in culture, whether somebody famous has just released an album or there's a new book everybody's talking about, or you're in a city where there's a new show that's playing or whatever it is, or an art exhibit. I think it's great to just know a little bit about culture. And then of course, current events. We have to be up so that we never are caught like a deer in the headlights when someone is talking about something. So as long as we are full participants And also kind of being there with our body language and signaling those ways that we are interested and engaged. Those, to me, showing with our body and our verbal communication 
that lets those people that we're speaking to know how invested we are in getting to know them and growing our relationship with them. And people need to understand that it's not so much even the words that are coming out of your mouth, because in the communication pie, about 85% Right. Is your body language, right? Exactly. So even in just smiling, even lifting the corners of your mouth, brightening your eyes, nodding, leaning in, all of those things show those people that you're interested in them, that you're a team player. Because no matter what comes out of your mouth, if your body language isn't meeting those messages, you may be having a conflicting communication that they're picking up on. Yeah, they're not going to say anything. They're just going to feel like, oh, this person is awkward. I need to go uh, get a glass exactly. of water or something. So you smart people listening. She, Lisa's telling you how to handle any kind of meeting or any kind of social interaction or gathering by preparing. Because I can promise you that these highly conscientious high performers are great at preparing. So you can check, go to your favorite news, check mm-hmm. the sports, at least know like you said, what season is I, it's college football season here in the South. And I know a little bit, even though I'm not a football fan, but I can at least ask a question or two. But yeah, I love that idea of just scanning the news before you go as a form of preparing. And I think if you're more prepared, you're going to be more relaxed, right? Absolutely. And you'll be able to stay present because the last thing Anybody wants to see is somebody preparing in their mind, having a dual conversation, right? And that takes you out of maybe a tidbit that you missed because you were preparing your next comment or question. So you do have to stay present and listen, that whole active listening piece. Oh, it's so important. Gosh, we're getting to the end of our time. I have a couple more questions Tell us quickly, what about thank you notes? Can we write a thank you text? Is that enough? Or do we need to write it on paper? Okay. I love this question because I am a big proponent. Of course, I have to be, I have to walk the talk, right? So I love handwritten notes. So I invite everybody to invest in your stationary wardrobe. So there's not just a clothing wardrobe. You have a stationary wardrobe. So what does that mean? Go out and get some stationery you love. It can be monogrammed. It can just be thank you notes you purchased from Target. <laughs> I don't care. Just have it in your desk. Some nice writing instruments. Definitely we need stamps, right? All of these things. So you have it when the time comes because the times for writing a thank you note are when any type of act of kindness is performed. It can be something as simple as somebody invited you to their home for dinner, right? Right. To send them a thank you note afterward. It can be certainly a stay in someone's home. It's really these wonderful touch points that we have where someone has made an overture. They have welcomed us into their world. And this is really the only fitting way that shows them how much we appreciate and care. And then, of course, people may want to add a gift to that. But the point is you have to have the note. That's where you write down all of the wonderful ways that you appreciate that person. And the thing about notes, I have a drawer here in my desk of all the beautiful notes. You can see somebody's penmanship. It takes time to do this, right? Right. So it shows extra effort. So if you, let's say, somebody invited you over text to go to their home for dinner, you can absolutely shoot a text back or if they invited you via email, thanking them, right? Because we live in an immediate world, but that's the immediate communication. I would still say follow that up with a beautifully handwritten note. 
because that is the memory that we keep and we look back on. And also, I believe, especially in the professional world, get those notes out, congratulating somebody on a new position. If you have their address, their work address, don't get weird and all of a sudden send it to their home if you're not supposed to know their home address. But those touch points to congratulate somebody or thank somebody in your professional network for inviting you to lunch, dinner, breakfast, whatever it is. Right, right. Then to me, you are automatically put in the yes pile for a future invitation. They see that you have an elevated skill set. Yeah, when I get a thank you note for a dinner party, I'm like, yeah, this person's definitely coming back. And all those dividends that we talked about earlier, they're just augmented because you're a person that's expressing appreciation and there's nobody that has had too much appreciation. But what about if you meet somebody at a party, how would you follow up if you wanted to do that? Yes. So when we follow up, people don't even exchange business cards anymore. But that's when we certainly can connect with one another online via LinkedIn, if it's a professional person. So that seems to be the way that people prefer to do that. You can also exchange information, phone numbers, if you want to text that person, because you may have a social call there, right? Right, right. Connect socially. And then once you become more familiar and you're invited to dinner in their home, then you can follow up with a handwritten note. Or if they invite you, let's say you've connected on LinkedIn and they've invited you to join them for lunch, that's when I would follow up perhaps with a handwritten note whether it's to their workplace or to their home. So you look at the preferred mode of communication and what feels appropriate in the given situation. Oh, this is so good. I know that everybody here is just taking this in. You can see there's a lot more that Lisa has to tell us, but we don't have time. So I let you wrap it up. Lisa, let us know if there's anything like you have the final word. And if people want more Lisa Gachet from Manners from Beverly Hills, what do you (laughs) recommend? How do they follow up and take a class with you? Or what would you recommend? Okay. Well, I definitely want to share that I do have a class that's in person. So I think I started, we started our conversation where I began my career at the Hotel Bel Air. Right. I actually got married at the Hotel Bel Air. I even worked as a hostess in the restaurant at the Hotel Bel Air. That was before I got married, way, way after college. But I'm back at the Bel Air and I actually teach. I work with a lot of my clients, both groups and individuals. And so I actually have a two-day It's a weekend workshop for professionals coming up in October. If anybody's in Los Angeles or come fly over here, stay at the Hotel Bel Air, tell them when you check in, you're coming to my class. It's on October 21st and 22nd. And please feel free to reach out to me at Lisa Gachet on my LinkedIn profile. And then just let me know that you heard from me on Speak Up with Laura. And that way I will also invite you to a monthly complimentary webinar series that I'm going to be starting in December. And I'd love to add your listeners to that list. Oh my gosh, yes. It would be so wonderful. But I do want to share with everybody, I do feel like there's one piece of advice that I find in the majority of clients I work with. And I have worked with clients of all ages. Remember, I started actually teaching kids, right? And the one thing I noticed we could all do more of is smile. Obviously, it's free, right? It's right here on our face. But 
when we smile, it has to be a toothy smile. We have to show our teeth because when we smile, it is literally the equivalent of an invitation. It says, come over and talk to me. If you wear your smile at a networking event or a party, you will not be standing in a corner by yourself because you look like you're happy and you want to be there. And when you go and you're together with your friends, bring the sunshine. I talk about that in my book. By the way, my book, anybody can listen to my book, Beverly Hills Manners, Golden Rules from the World's Most Glamorous Zip Code. You can find it on Audible or you can purchase it on Amazon. But I'm here in Southern California where it's nice and sunny. And too many people bring the wah, wah, wah to every conversation. Do they not? Yes. There are people like that. So I want to bring the sunshine. Laura can see me making a sunshine with my hand. But it's so, if we just think of those two things and start looking at the glass half full, I think that the reverberation will do us a lot of good. Love that. Thank you so much, everybody. Lizzie, I know you're so grateful. I mentioned in the beginning of the podcast before Lisa came on how I had you know, I get these emails all the time for people wanting to be on the show. And I was just rejecting people left and right. And I went out and I found Lisa for you. So <laughs> Yay, <thank> yeah, you. <laughs> that was awesome. This has been a great conversation and I look forward to maybe another one in the future. Everybody listening, have a great day and mind your manners. <laughs>